Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. As technology continues to evolve and change the world around us, our local economy is changing too and adapting, taking advantage of the opportunities the tech sector creates and preparing the next generation of tech workers for the jobs that need filling today and in the years to come. Joining me today to discuss this is Jacqueline Craddock, Director of Workforce Initiatives at Nexus Louisiana, which is an arm of the Research Park Corporation that connects growth-focused companies to capital, resources, and talent. In her role, Jacqueline oversees a relatively new program called Apprentice Louisiana, an apprenticeship program that provides education and paid on-the-job training for those interested in joining the tech sector. Unlike other apprenticeship programs which might focus on the skilled trades, Apprenti is focused on the tech sector, which means apprentices work in computer programming, web development, software development, IT support, and security administration, just to name a few. It's a badly needed program in this state, and it is making a difference in its short life. Jacqueline is a native of South Louisiana and a graduate of LSU who came back to Louisiana to work at LSU more than a decade ago after getting a master's degree in public administration at Tennessee and working several years in that state. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being here today. Great story. Thank you. And with me and Jacqueline at the table is Casey Roussel, CEO of Entricle, a Baton Rouge-based tech company that specializes in technology solutions in the security sector. Entricle is a relatively new company that has several products, including a database that allows law enforcement agencies to share information with each other, a facial recognition and object comparison software, and Platform 11, which enables law enforcement and commercial users to share information designed to keep those users safe. Casey has been CEO of the company since mid-2019, though he was working with the firm before that in his capacity as an IT consultant. And Casey, this is such a great story, and you were sharing some of the products with us, and we've been already having such an interesting discussion. So thanks for being here on Out to oh, Lunch. Oh, you're welcome. Glad so to much be here. fun. Well, Jacqueline, I'm going to start with you. Apprenti is part of a larger national program, right, that was started in Seattle. It's administered by the U.S. Department of Labor. And and Nexus is sort of the local administrator of it? Yes, that's correct. So Nexus Louisiana is um, an intermediary uh, company that is providing Apprenti to the ecosystem here throughout Louisiana. So we are in a number of markets here in Louisiana, but Apprenti nationally is in 15 uh, different states and markets where technology are are hubbed. Okay. And and what companies do y'all play? How many companies do y'all place apprentices with? How many apprentices do y'all have in the program? Right. So great question. So um, Apprenti, we started with a pilot cohort in cybersecurity analyst, and we had five companies that participated with us, um, placing 10 apprentices at those respective companies. As we look to accelerate Apprenti here in 2020, 
We'd like to grow and have more companies participate with us, looking forward to uh, occupational roles of an IT support uh, professional, again, cybersecurity analysts, software developers. And so is the, is the problem that the people entering, the, and presumably primarily young people entering these fields, they're not being properly trained or they just need more on-the-job training? I mean, I know a trained workforce is the big issue that we hear so much about here in Louisiana. Yeah, um, when we look at, there are probably over 500,000 jobs nationally in technology. And when you look at education or higher education, there are only, you know, roughly around 50,000 uh, computer science degrees coming out. So there's a large gap in the workforce on mm -hmm. getting talent to companies. And as we explore in technology, there are a lot, you know, over 50% of those jobs in technology do not require a, a formal four-year degree. So as we look at having high schoolers and in training and credentials, we're, we're, we'd like to be that talent pipeline to source candidates um, with IBCs, that's the industry-based um, industry credentials, and tying those candidates to, to companies that are looking to source talent. So the candidates will have transferable skills from other opportunities that they would have had in, in life experiences. And um, we provide the training for them and then partner them and source them to, to companies. Fantastic. And companies like Entracle, no doubt, because you all are a tech company and I would imagine you have a need for all sorts of tech workers, Casey. Tell us though about exactly what Entracle does because I know it's it's made up of some other companies that y'all acquired. It's got a bunch of different product lines. I mentioned three of them. They're all around the security sector. Yes, ma'am. And the the biggest model for us that we were trying to change was that even with law enforcement and companies out there dealing around physical security, everyone's in the response industry, meaning something happens, let's respond to it. So we kind of took approach and said, hey, how can we figure out how to stop these things from happening in the first place? You know, so no one has to respond, or at least we can limit the disaster that happens. Um, and a lot of it has to deal with data. How can people communicate? And one of the big things we found was that there was no way for the commercial sector to not only communicate internally, but also communicate with their neighbors and with law enforcement. So if you take the situation of, if you're in the middle of a city block and there's an active shooter going on, right now there is absolutely no way for law enforcement or anybody to communicate with all those surrounding properties that there's an emergency, so stay inside, don't come out. None of that exists. So that's why we built Platform 11 to allow these companies to communicate internally and communicate with the neighbors and with law enforcement. In any sort of incident, not just something as anyway, dramatic as it, an active yeah, could, shooter. We've got clients that use it to report maintenance issues, and we have it where they report active shooters, fires, different types of uh, high-level security. So it can be used across the board. So in other words, they're all like on a, on a private network, basically? It's a like private a secure system um, where everyone's in it. We've got predefined uh, roles, permissions, default groups. Um, that's all set up and customized for the particular property owner. You know, for example, one of our property owners owns over 200 buildings throughout the country, and he has all of his buildings on it where he can, with a, within 30 seconds, he can communicate with every single tenant, 
let them know exactly what's going on. They commute with their neighbors, other buildings, security. It's unbelievable. And it's like an app on your phone, I would imagine? Or do it, you interface it run, on, your, on your laptop? Yeah, it's all web-based. It all runs in a secure cloud environment, but it works on phones. It auto-farmates to fit any device you're on. So cool. Okay. Now, you also have this facial recognition software that yes, you were telling us about. Yes, ma'am. Facial rec is becoming very popular. It's getting some bad... Uh, I guess press out there you'll call it because people privacy rights people are under the impression that okay everyone's out recording people's faces and using their face to track them and do all this sort of stuff which is furthest from the truth um, facial rec doesn't record anything all it is is what we say object comparison so if I've got an image of something in my system I'm comparing faces to it whether it's live feed an uploaded image and all I'm doing is telling you this matches or it's a percentage match for it so Private companies, the commercials are using it for access control. So accessing the buildings, accessing the sensitive areas where, hey, you can steal an ID, you can steal a badge, but you can't steal a face. And it's got to be a live face, so you can't hold someone's picture up to get in. So it'll access doors, access different things. We're using face to do that. On the law enforcement side, it's helping identifying wanted individuals. And now we're getting into with missing children. Um, so where if children... Uh, Amber alerts and stuff where we can upload the photo and everyone that's running our facial rec system if that child passes It can alert and say you see them. Okay, so wait you can use the photo for something like missing children But I can't use a photo to get in in a building if it needs to see my real face. Correct How so, does that work? So let's say if, if I own my company and on my door, I have facial rec. I load all of my employees into my system so if you're not an employee you're not that door won't open but i can also add a vendor so if i know a vendor's coming to the office i can load their picture it'll let the vendor in so a lot of companies are saying okay if a vendor's come and fix the ac system that vendor has to register and submit a selfie of that person that's come and fix my air condition and so when that vendor gets there if the face doesn't match that person's not getting in Fantastic. So they're, they're huh? using it to control who's entering the building. I want to hear some more about the products because I love them. But I want to ask you because I need to bring Jacqueline into the conversation because I know she has a lot to add. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious, um, was the software developed here in Baton Rouge using local talent or in part? Well, yes, ma'am. Um, anything that's dealing with um, anything that's law enforcement, sieges, criminal data, that's all done here in the U.S. We do have. But in Baton Rouge? Yes, in Baton Rouge. Our office is here in Baton Rouge. Um, and we do have um, a um, subsidiary office in India um, as well. We have an office uh, right outside of London as well. Um, but most of the heavy software stuff is done here locally in Baton Rouge. By local talent. And designed here locally. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, do you all know of, of many companies like this, Jacqueline? And are these the kind of companies that you all hope to place people with? Yes, absolutely. So if there are uh, opportunities and, and vacancies um, that companies or growth and expansion opportunities that companies are forecasting, uh, we'd like to be a one pathway. So we don't claim to be the only pathway, but certainly one pathway. Apprentice is a registered apprenticeship. So it's not um, it's really not an internship, and it's we're not a staffing agency, mm -hmm. um, but we are um, a conduit. So we're also not the training provider. We partner with higher education or two-year degree institutions to provide the training for us. So we don't want to disrupt, certainly, any of the 
um, the training that's already happening or providers in the industry that are, are doing that. But what, what space we operate in is the conduit the conduit for industry to be um, partnered with being able to have a return on investment and and a talent pipeline to kind of connect those. Um, so we do manage all of the compliance for companies. So companies don't have to get involved in any type of federal or state um, regulations. And we provide the return on investment braiding workforce development funds so that it enhances the opportunity for for companies to be involved and utilize those savings for their growth and expansion. So do you all pay the apprentices or do you all pay the companies or do you or or neither? How does the yeah, how does, how does the, the money funding picture work? Absolutely. Um, so Initially, we're doing this. Um, Nexus LA is is in this space. Apprenti is in this space, uh, really to grow the ecosystem. But how we cover the cost of the training, so there's there's no initial cost to the company to the employer, right? There's no cost to the employer, and there's no training cost to the apprentices. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking with Jacqueline Craddock of Nexus, Louisiana, and Casey Roussel of Entricol. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Jacqueline Craddock of Nexus, Louisiana, and Casey Roussel of Entricol. In the places where they've been doing this for a while, what kind of results are they seeing? What kind of metrics are they using to measure the success of the program? Yes, um... We have a high rate of apprentices. Generally, it started in software development um, with large companies that were looking to kind of grow platforms. Um, so targets of apprentices have been um, women, minorities, and veterans, and and a real emphasis to kind of diversify the tech space, right? Because that's generally been male-dominated. Um, and we have a great success rate. So there's more than, you know, 750 apprentices nationally. Um, we are growing this in the, the market here in Louisiana. So as we look, we probably don't want a cohort of more than 20 in each um training session so as we look to kind of build out these four cohorts over 2020 um, but companies uh, have loved it with our cybersecurity analyst so we had 10 apprentices in that cohort and um, they will all finish their OJT that's the on-the-job training portion um, here at the end of March and then they'll be retained for full-time employment do they have jobs already lined yeah, up? Yeah. So really That's how yeah. how that works is the training on the front end. Um, they complete the training and then that OJT, they start from day one having full time employees. Yeah, gotcha. full time employees with with complete benefits. So so medical, dental, you know, right, retirement. Right. Um, now the benefit to the company is that companies can source this talent. Um at a reduced wage. Okay. So there's a cost savings at the beginning for for those apprentices. And if you use this as a talent pipeline, you can really see over time that you'd have a cost savings. Casey, is this the kind of thing that your company would, would be able to take advantage of? I mean, is there need for it or y'all? Yeah, I think there's, there's always a need for, you know, qualified 
employees to do it. And a lot of times in our space, um, you know, we find it's all results driven. So we can find someone that whether it's a four year computer science degree or some kid that never had the where the means to go to college, but learned all the skills on their own, don't have a college degree, but massively talented in what we need. You know, so that's what we always look at. Hey, how can we find great talent? And there's always a need. Thank you. Need for it. Um, and I think that's across this space is that there is a big need and finding good talent is hard to do. So you mentioned that you all have software developers and obviously employees here in Baton Rouge. And this is your headquarters, correct? Yes, ma'am. But you have a software house in India and London also? or uh, well, London the, the is st- India is uh, strictly software. Um, you know, we call them the... You know, I don't know if grunt coders is the, the right word, but you know our team here in the U.S. does all the architecture, all the security, all the design, and then the team in India does a lot of the basic coding. So did it. you find them? I mean, how does one go about finding grunt um, coders in well, India? Well, one of our partners is from India, so I mean, okay. so that makes it easier. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of the work that that subsidiary company does is sourced in India. Is the tech support done there too? No, all that's done here. Um, Yeah, the India has no direct connection or engagement with the customers. It's all done. I think that's fascinating though, but what's the advantage? I mean, just cheaper workforce? Um, They're good in Some, because on some of those projects where we're actually bidding on software stuff, if we're doing it here in the U.S. at $100 an hour and they're bidding a $30 rate in India, we'll never win any business. So that's why we have to let the leads here in the states do the the high end stuff, but the lower end work just has to be offshore. You can't compete mm-hmm. on that side. Um, London is all sales on the facial recognition platform eleven. So you're selling globally, oh, obviously. Yes, yep, we have several clients throughout Europe. Um, we have also have an office in Des Moines, Iowa. The, that's going there. One of our guys is there, and here in Baton Rouge, in Louisiana. How big is Entracle uh, in terms of, I mean, revenue-wise, roughly? You don't have to disclose exact sales figures, but I'm trying to get a sense of the Yeah, I mean, Entracle came together um, August of last year. Um, August of 2019. of 2019. And and our sales, I can tell you, are doubling monthly um, of we're growing. Now, we have some major projects that we're in deployment now and in proposal in. That'll take us to you know a multi-million dollar company overnight um, once these deals are done. Um, the big thing for us is just making sure you can get to deliver it. It's easy to sell the concept, right. but then you have right. to make sure you develop. And also for us, is it's been so, I guess the interest level is so high, there is a problem with growing too fast. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a good job of making sure we're pacing ourselves to grow where we can sustain it and deliver the experience our clients depend on. How many employees altogether? do y'all have these days? Um, everyone that works on Entrical, we're probably two dozen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's growing. And and um, how many clients at this point? The, the Dozens? Law, More well, than 100? On the law enforcement product, we've got over 100 law enforcement agencies that use the law enforcement product. On the commercial side, we're probably half a dozen now, but they're, they're big. They're, yeah. they're big companies. So who else is doing this out there? Um, no one does the complete package. So we've got companies that'll do facial rec stuff, but it's, you know, our stuff runs on a basic laptop and very inexpensive. 
whereas the competition, you need 100 plus thousand dollar servers to run it. So we can be very efficient in how we run it. Um, platform 11, no one does. There's people that do the, the messaging part, obviously, of people that can send out text messages. But in Platform 11, you can collect the data, you can share the data um, in very meticulous ways as opposed to just sending out a blanket text message. Um, so we're really, when we combine all of that together, there's really nothing else out there that, that does what we do. Fascinating. Jacqueline, how are y'all getting the word out about apprenting? How are you trying to interest young people in becoming part of this program? Yes. Um, well, it's it's kind of two two verticals, if you will. One is trying to share apprentice with companies, um, hiring partners that mm-hmm. we certainly need to to have those um, uh, openings and positions to place uh, candidates. And so that's very much like any company would, uh, making a lot of business development and sales calls. So um, you're like literally just cold calling companies well, locally? And yeah, we're in the tech um, ecosystem. So we have some relationships, some strong relationships with companies. So we've um, leaned on those. Uh, but with other uh, expansion companies, that's correct. It's, it's really trying to network um, who you have that relationship with to get to the HR manager or director as well as the chief information officer because sure. I think if you have buy-in from those um, from those positions and they really see the return on investment that this can provide their company um, and and an opportunity to relieve some of that from the HR manager mm-hmm. but still get great talent um, that they'll come to the table for that. Um, the second vertical certainly is how do you find the talent? Um, where are we sourcing individuals from? And so that's kind of a community engagement. So we have some key community partners um, we work with, you know, in order to source veterans, we certainly know that um, persons are exiting out of the armed forces every month. So we have some key connections um, that sh- share our information sure. so that perhaps veterans can come to the table as, as a talent and a demographic. Um, other youth, Like what about in the high schools? Yeah. You know, coming right. out of high schools, the public school system? Yes. Or? So the public school system um, and um, sharing that information with them. And certainly in high schools now, they have, uh, you know, dual enrollment and other types of yeah. opportunities that high schoolers are getting a, a, a jump on their education um, or at least fundamentals in certain areas. Now, there are candidates, you know, um, students that might not want to go on for college, but they just want some workforce training. And so we are we are uh, a pipeline for that as well. And like CTEC, the Career and Technical Training Center at, at Ardendale, I mean, do y'all work with them? Because I know they have an IT training path for their students. Um, I mean, would you get some of those young yeah. people? Yeah, so are you referencing the one that's located? Um, At Ardendale, CTEC. Um, yeah, so we, we do. We have a partner with um, the Center for Career and Technology yeah, Training. That's it. Um, we also have um, uh, partnerships with with all of the two in the four-year institutions. But sometimes uh, if a candidate already has the certifications and the training, we certainly don't want to retrain them. Then we just want to be a conduit to go ahead and place those into employment. Um, and and again, so there's kind of those two verticals with the hiring partners and kind of sourcing uh, 
the community engagement part to source the talent. Now, again, that only works because it's very industry-based and driven. So, so industry is going to have an opportunity to select who they want. Um, you know, to that's going to be a good fit for their culture. Sure. Casey, have you all had trouble getting? and finding qualified, talented people in the IT sector and particularly software to work at your company? It's an it's a issue that comes up often you yeah, know, in it these can, discussions. It can be. Um, it's fortunate we've got fairly decent relationships with um, LSU and Southeastern in a computer sciences program. Um, that's helped, but still, depending on what the need is and what the, the specialty is of the tech person, it can be very difficult to find it so you start taking guys and moving them around and and just trying to cope to get through with it because you can't find the exact talent that you need is it that we don't have enough of them or our schools are not teaching them the level of skills that are needed both i don't think we have enough um you don't have enough kids coming out of college with those types of great degrees and what's changed now is that Almost every industry, industry and sector that operates in the economy has tech behind it. So everything is tech now, and you just don't have enough people to fill the void of it uh, with it. So companies are forced to go offshore to find just the resources to get the job done. That is such a great point. It used to be IT jobs, but now everybody has IT jobs, and so that's yeah. making it hard, right? It, it is, and I'm hoping, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm hoping the trade schools and stuff can now start offering the tech degrees where you know kids don't necessarily have to go through a four-year college when everything they're going to learn is in their last year of school to get their specialty. You know, How can we get these kids coming out where they can get the training, get the education they need, and enter the workforce making terrific money you know, without the burden of a four-year college on top of them. Because you're saying they don't need it. They don't need it. Yeah, I really love that point. Um, the the emphasis on there's so many companies that have tech jobs. So so we're not, although we're, we're talking about tech-enabled um, workforce training, we're not just talking about uh, IT you know traditional tech companies we'd like to work with hospitals and and finance and and banking um there's a lot of other industries that now have kind of internal it departments Mm -hmm. um that need the same type of connectivity to the workforce so um really if there's you know any hiring partner no matter what the industry is um and to some degree, they don't just have to be IT occupational roles. We can help as a registered apprenticeship navigate for any company that's looking at tech-enabled occupational roles or jobs. Absolutely, because it's uh, a good point on that. Enough, is you take marketing now. You know, everybody thinks of marketing as, hey, it's business, it's business. But in today, if you come out in marketing and you don't know how to market and use social media and the Internet – on how to do it, you're not say worthless, but you don't have those skills. It, you, yeah. you need the tech skills of how to market online and use the technology to do it. And that's the gap where you have ideas and these talents, but they're missing the tech skills to actually implement it. Yeah, so we're we're more we're relying on the concept of uh, w- workforce training and in, in the industry-based certifications. M- what we're seeing and feeling and hearing um, within kind of that ecosystem is 
that again, you don't have to have that four-year degree. You really just have to have the skill sets that are tied directly to what industry is asking for the applications to be developed on. And and if they have those IBCs, those industry-based certifications, then that's a, a gauge really to show that those candidates understand um, what they need to be doing and kind of can hit that hit the floor running and there's good money in these jobs oh Oh, yes yeah all right well (laughs) Jacqueline Craddock and Casey Roussel you both are in involved in a field that is increasingly important so critical today and our technology related needs continue to grow as we say and will only be more important in the years to come so thank you for for working in this field out there and creating opportunities for young people and I appreciate your time and insights today on out to lunch thank you so much thank you it was wonderful my guests today on Out to Lunch have been Jacqueline Craddock of Nexus, Louisiana, and Casey Roussel of Entricle. You can find out more about Nexus, Louisiana, and Entricle by going to the links on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our It's Baton Rouge.LA webpage and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Baton Rouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by Colin Peden. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 